the free for all roundtable. Round two. On round two, we say good morning to Richard Krause, host of the podcast, Last Call with Richard Krause. Robert Benzie is here, Queen's Park Bureau Chief at the Toronto Star. Sunira Chaudhry, employment lawyer at Workley Law. Let's start with uh, the one topic that people can't stop talking about today, and that is learning that uh, the FIFA World Cup is going to be costing us even more money. Jerry's not on board for any amount of spending, but yesterday it went from $300 million to $380 million million. Sanira, I'll start with you. Uh, I think it's probably more of a philosophical thing for a lot of people. Either you're in or you're out for these major public events and public money. Yeah. And you know, John, I'm I'm a member of the Canadian Taxpayers uh, Board, uh, the Federation, and um, this has been the the bee of the CTF's bonnet for a long time, that the spending that's going to be happening for FIFA this year, but uh, I, I think also it's a problem for Mayor Chow. I mean, she she inherited this, of, of course, didn't know then how much funding the federal government was going to be uh, making. We still don't know. And it's really difficult. How do we plan as a city not knowing uh, what the purse size is looking like? So um, while I love the idea, I think in theory, of having this world stage event, the price tag is just mind boggling. But I think also the fact that our multi levels of government are not are still not working together. I mean, that really baffles that baffles me. And I think it really angers a lot of people, especially living in the city about it. Robert Benzie, Jerry Agar went on a tear on round one. And I thought you got a point. Then Bob Richardson showed up at 805. And I thought you've got a point. So I can (laughs) I can appreciate both angles. Yeah, and and I I can too, but I think Bob made the very good point that uh, this is a massive event. The World Cup is the biggest event in the world. It's bigger than the Olympics, and it is a showcase for the world's most popular sport, soccer, football. (laughs) And um, and I I think if we want Toronto to, uh, if we want Canada to compete on the world stage, I think we have to 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 participate in these types of events and yes it costs money but this is the whole conundrum about canada i think is that that oh we we want nice things but we don't want to pay for them you know and i think uh, i mean I, I i remember when the pan am games came and everyone was saying oh this is a waste of money and the legacy of the pan am games was you know the whole a whole new neighborhood uh in, in toronto uh, you know the canary common and and some infrastructure that got built i think that that the world cup will lead to some facilities that will that will remain afterwards bob was talking about some of those and i think i think if we want to have nice things we have to pay for them okay and richard kraus uh benzie makes a good point this is a global sport and people don't tend to crowd into sports bars to watch discus at the olympics No, they don't. But this is the least surprising news of the week, I think. It's the one that everyone's talking about. But the idea that, you know, there's an extra $380 million tacked on this comes to no surprise of anyone who's been uh, paying attention when the Olympics hits town, when the Pan Am Games hits town, whenever these big events come to town, they always end up costing substantially more uh, than they were uh, projected to at the beginning. And, you know, for my money, I would be not unhappy if we didn't see the World Cup come to Toronto. I think it's going to cost too much money. I'm, I hope that there is a big benefit to it. I hope that it gets people coming to Toronto and staying in our hotels and drinking in our bars and eating in our restaurants. But I hope that it 
happens uh, for longer than just the 10 days that the the uh, whole thing will be on after that once we've we've cleared the the games uh will those people come back and that's what we should be worried about toronto needs uh regular traffic we need instead of having a, these one-time kind of events like this let's do something that will keep people coming in year round a new bylaw comes into effect on Friday. It's the new single-use and takeaway item bylaw. And effectively, it means, let's say you go to McDonald's. If you, well, I don't know if you ever get utensils at McDonald's. You're at a you know, food takeout place. If you want a fork and knife, you have to ask for it. If you want a bag, you have to ask for it. Benzie, I know some people think this is going to turn into some sort of a standoff, and the clerk will just stare at you, dead stare, until you say <laughs> the words. I have a feeling it's going to be fairly efficient, and it makes sense in reducing waste. Yeah, I agree, uh, John. It's like plastic bags. It's like I don't. I rem- you and I are old enough to remember when they banned smoking in bars. That was going to be the end of the world. I yeah. remember it was. And, and and Richard knows this as well, having worked in some of those places. That it didn't change. You know, behavior changed. It legislated legislative changes changed behavior. I don't think this is the the end of the world. I mean, uh, now having said that, it's a city bylaw. Will the city enforce it? Because we know there are lots of bylaws that the city doesn't seem to enforce. You're not allowed to camp in in, in city parks. That's against the law, but uh, they don't seem to enforce that bylaw. So will they enforce this one? I don't know. Yeah, Sanira, I wonder if they're going to send undercover officers. You gave me a bag. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you know, I disagree that this is this bylaw is a huge disappointment. If you look at it, if you the most uh, single use items, you know, when you need a utensil, they're all already set up in these self-serve stations at most food courts. If you go to Longo's and you buy yourself something, they have these nice sort of set up single use stations that you can get your, your spoon from. You don't have to ask anybody. And this bylaw doesn't apply to any place that has these self-serve stations set up. So frankly, it's going to have no force in effect because most places already have these things set up. We're spending $450,000 on in the next three years. It's it's actually a huge disappointment. I read the bylaw this morning and I'm wondering, shaking my head, wondering why is it in place at all? Most folks get their own napkins and their own spoons, etc. when uh, when we go to the, the food court anyway. Although, Rich Krause, I have the reverse problem, actually, which is that when I'm doing takeaway, I usually have to say, please don't put the utensils in there because I'm not going to need mm-hmm. them. Yeah, I would. I was going to say just the opposite. Actually, is that uh, I often have to ask for utensils already. So I don't know that this is going to make a, a huge amount of difference uh, in that way. Um, I know that you know often if it's delivery, they'll include them in. If it's if you're picking up, you generally speaking have to ask for um, cutlery. Or, or eat with your hands, uh, depending on which way you want to go with that. But um, I don't think this is going to make that much of a difference. To be quite honest, I, I, I think that uh, people are already, by and large, doing most of this stuff anyway. Uh, and this is just another thing to make us kind of feel better that we're trying to reduce single-use plastics. But I don't think this will make any kind of real serious dent. Well, and I would agree with you that, you know, this is not going to change much. And I've become very, very discouraged over the last few years in thinking I'm trying to do my part to reduce my footprint. Then mm-hmm. I go Then I go to a golf tournament. Everybody got a plastic bottle they throw away. Everybody gets a sandwich in a plastic red container. Plastic cup. Yeah. And, and on and on it goes. And I look at that or any movie or TV set, and I think, screw it. We're not going to be able to save this planet. Okay, on that <laughs> happy thought, uh, looks like <laughs> the city of Toronto, and Richard, I'll start with you as our resident boulevardier, uh, is going to crack down on blocking the box. 
And uh, that, of course, is driving into an intersection and not being able to get out of it. Then the light changes and nobody can move in, in, in any direction. And we're looking at fines of as much as four to five hundred dollars. Good. Uh, you know, I live uh, right downtown and uh, everywhere I go, people do this. Yeah, I see it multiple times every day and it slows things down in a, a you know a neighborhood where i live anyway that's already too busy for the amount of uh, road space that we have there's too much traffic coming and going directly in front of me or just up the road on bloor street i live close to young and bloor uh, and we see this all the time it slows things down it makes things awkward it's difficult for pedestrians give them huge fines and we'll start to see this uh, drop off i bet yeah and scenario as richard was describing quite often it turns into a pedestrian hazard because the car is trapped in the intersection then the cars that were blocking them from getting out of the intersection depart but the pedestrians are on the move and so the motorist thinks well you got to get out of my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I walk home from the office every day, John. Uh, I live right downtown as well. Like Richard, I'm often navigating through what should be a walkway. You know, there, there, there should be some place for pedestrians to cross the street. But at 5 p.m., everybody's trying to get on to the gardener. And it's absolutely impossible to, to cross the street. And I think a lot of parents, too. I mean, you can't get your strollers through a lot of these um, crosswalks at at around five. It's a total hazard. I see a lot of parents waiting for the next light so that they can actually walk with their kids across the street because of this mass exodus from the city. Um, So, I mean, there's two problems, right? One is getting out of the city is is unbearable. I mean, there's only so many ways to get out of it, which is resulting in a lot of folks crowding or blocking the box. Um, And the other issue is that Drivers just don't seem to care and they're not finding other ways to, you know, maybe jump on the go train, maybe jump on the subway. But I mean, around five o'clock, the city turns into the wild, wild west. Yeah, Robert Mm -hmm. Benzie, I like seeing us become a bit more like New York. I think it was the 1990s. They started getting really, really vicious about this kind of thing. Parking signs were changed to the wording. Don't even think about parking here. You know, they got tough. Yeah, and I think that we need to as well. I mean, I, I agree with Richard and Sarah. I think the fines need to be stiffer. Um, I, I don't know if they have if they if they if they are using cameras for for these types of things. That one at front and and university is one of the worst it, by, by Union Station. It's always blocked. Um, you know, we have a city's always crying poverty. Put up put up cameras and and take photographs of all these folks from the nine hundred five who are jamming the box uh, as they head off to the gardener and and find them. I, I mean, I don't know. It's just it's it's ridiculous. Kellogg's CEO did an interview and said, you know, times are tough in terms of foodflation, so maybe people should set aside the chicken and eat cereal for dinner. And uh, Sunira, hmm. he's getting it in the neck. But of course, these days with social media, everybody ends up getting it in the neck. I I mean, I'm glad that Mother Teresa is gone. Oh, my gosh. I mean, this is I'm rolling my eyes at this one. Lots of folks love to eat cereal for dinner, by the way. Sometimes I love eating cereal for dinner. But come on. I mean, we've all heard the term uh, or in the startup world anyway, ramen profitable, which is you're just eking by. You're just making enough to um, cover your living expenses. It's frankly, we're living in a world that. People are paying way too much for groceries. I'm not surprised if a lot of folks are already turning to breakfast for dinner. I mean, people were turning to breakfast for dinner when times were good. Why not turn to breakfast for dinner when times are bad? 
Okay, well, Richard Krause is this another one of those pop culture moments where he was going to end up being criticized no matter what he said? I don't think so. I I, I think uh, that what he needs is a better publicist or someone to vet what he says in public before he starts shooting off his mouth, because uh, this was easily avoidable. I mean, I know the idea is that he wants to sell more cereal and he's, you know, presenting an option, eat it for dinner, it'll be good for you. But what he's actually saying is, uh, you know, if you can't afford anything else, eat my food, eat my cereal for dinner, and, you know, you'll, uh, you'll be able to skate by. Had that company instead uh, made a huge donation of cereal to a food bank, had they done something that would have appeared that they were trying to help rather than profit off of the misfortune of other people, people would be applauding them. Instead, we're talking about it on the radio today. Thank you all. Good to have you. Sanira Chaudhry, Robert Benzi, and Richard Krause. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.